What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highland Town, across from Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today we're, we're recording this at a uh, we're, it, it's, it's a black room we're in. We're recording this at um, the Voxel, and I'm here with the founder and CEO of Figure 53 and like the, the lead, the lead here at Voxel. I have Chris Ashworth. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Robert. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for allowing me, me here. This oh, is It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to have somebody in this building for the first time in a year and a half. I'll be able to perform a little bit and, and do my, my thing here. So um, you have a unique background. I looked at some of the stuff that you've got and you're... Your background kind of brings together two different, it's like a Reese's Cup situation here. Um, describe <laughs> your work, hit us with your background a little bit. Right, right. Well, my background is uh, this dual nature thing of computer science and theater, uh, two interests that I had as a kid and did not imagine they would overlap in any way. So I've, I've been into both of them pretty much as, as long as I remember. And uh, my, uh, so... My background's in theater and computer science, and I run a small software company here in Baltimore that makes a product, uh, several products, but our, our flagship product is called QLab, and it is a piece of software that runs the sound and the video projection and the lighting for live theatrical performances. And I uh, built it in my, I started it when I was living out of my one bedroom apartment here in Baltimore yeah. and uh, started a company and did it all, everything myself for a while. And the company has grown a little bit. And now we're about a dozen people, half of us here in Baltimore. We got some folks in New York City, some folks in Los Angeles, and that's what I do. So with it being kind of that, that industry standard and having your name attached to it, it's like, how, do, how does that feel to be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, when you think of this, you think of me, you know, how, how does that feel? That's a really interesting question. It is, uh, it, it's, first of all, it's, it, it's a thrill because uh, we, we, do, we do make this product that is now used around the world. So it's used in over 100 countries for uh, any, anyone who works in the technical side of theater and some folks who don't work in the technical side of theater but are in the room as actors or other things probably have heard of it. So it's been used anywhere. It, it gets used here in town. It's used at center stage. It's used at every theater you go to see in town. It's used on every Broadway show. It's been used at the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. Yeah. It's probably our biggest, our biggest show. That's billions of people listening yes. to the program. Uh, and, but it's also used by high school students and folks who are doing smaller projects. So it is an absolute thrill to be able to contribute to all of that creativity around the world and to feel like we're in some way part of all of that art that's being made. It's, yeah. it's, it's an honor. It's a thrill. It is tremendous. And it is funny uh, because 
it also means that I'm the QLab guy, <laughs> which I love. And also, uh, I didn't ever expect to be that guy. And so it, it's funny to now interact with that story and that identity as being my default identity in the eyes of a lot of people. Yeah. And, and there's some downsides to that too, you know, because as I said, my background is also as an artist in theater, yeah. as a performer. And for a lot of people, I'm just a software guy, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not an I'm not an artist. I'm not an actor, as as my primary identity. And I've had to, you know, I've had to manage some feelings about <laughs> about that. So with all with all these things, it's a it's it's wonderful. It's a it's a big uh, success, and and I'm proud of it. Yeah. And and you know, everything has pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Like I, I've run into that being around in the podcast scene as long. It's like, oh, that's Rob with the microphones. It's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I call myself something different. Yeah, right. It's like I'm Big Daddy Rob or whatever. You're Big Daddy Q, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. the acting, the acting Big Daddy. Q. Um, so, so you have that that process or what have you, and um, and and that comes about. So. Tell us about Voxel, where we're recording at. Let's let's give us that rundown. So we are sitting in a an old movie theater in the middle of Baltimore. We're on 25th Street between Maryland and Charles. Mm-hmm. And this is the old Goucher neighborhood just south of Charles Village. And this building was built in 1946. And I purchased it, oh gosh, when did I purchase it? It was a few years ago now. I've been working towards this vision for about a little over 10 years. And uh it is about 8,000 square feet. It is a black box theater, which means that it is completely configurable. We can put chairs anywhere. We can seat about anywhere between 70, 90, 100 people comfortably. Yeah. And uh, as opposed to somewhere like the Hippodrome, where there's that proscenium stage, big, beautiful stage that everyone's sort of on one side, and you've got all those seats lined up on on the on the sides, and you can have these huge houses to enjoy these spectacles of huge Broadway productions, which is fantastic and so much fun. Um, the, the, a black box tends to be, it's a smaller space, and it's the kind of space where you can come in, and it might look totally different every time you're in. So the director or the artistic company might choose to put the chairs in the round. They might choose to put them all at one end of the stage. They might put it in an alley style on both sides. It's the kind of space that is completely configurable, which is close to my heart. Like I, this is the kind of theater that uh, really resonates most for me because also because it is smaller to me, that accentuates the parts of theater that I find most invigorating Mm -hmm. and most special. So being in the same room with someone, having a three-dimensional relationship to the space, and then being close enough to a human being who is performing, who's acting in the room with you, that you can really experience their emotional state, their facial mannerisms, whatever it is that they're bringing to their performance. There's such a direct connection with someone. If you're, if you're, 10 feet away from them yeah. or or 30 feet away from them than if you're way up in in you know row Z yeah. and someone had to put on a whole bunch of makeup just so you can make sure that they actually have eyes you yeah. know that you can see their eyes from that distance <laughs> like I, I love the spectacle of big shows don't get me wrong but what really gets my heart is these smaller flexible spaces where it it feels Intimate, of course, is a word that's often used, but there's something to me that's really special about that particular kind of theater. And so that's what this space is like. It's a smaller uh, space, very flexible, and right here in the middle of Baltimore City. That's that's great. And, you know, 
one of the things that is being a resident from, from here and seeing the city and seeing all these things that are, as we talked about before, I see the potential for places, right? And seeing what you've taken from what this place was to what it is now, that's big. Um, speak on like some of your like favorite theaters that may have helped influence like your, your thinking and kind of framing framing this one out and or or uh, even you like when did you realize that you really like I, I, I love theater I, I, I gotta so, so tell me about those yeah. yeah yeah I grew up in Kentucky okay I grew up in Louisville Kentucky I've been here for over 15 years and this is home now but yeah. I, I was born in Louisville and the the, the main theater in that city is a place called Actors Theater of Louisville, and it was a really it's a regional theater, very similar to Center Stage, and it had three stages. It had uh, a larger proscenium style. Mm-hmm. It had uh, an in the round, like middle in the round style, and it had a smaller black box style. And I spent my high school years volunteering as an usher to every damn <laughs> show I could go to, yeah. uh, just dozens of shows a year. And uh, that was really influential to my experience of like what different spaces felt like, uh, what it felt like to be in the room as this art was being crafted and, and built and created. And so there's lots of beautiful stages in the world. And, and part, of, part of what you do when you're trying to uh, build a space is you then, you know, you could have in your dream world uh, this abstract theoretical space that you'd want to build. Maybe if you had a big empty lot, that almost never happens, right? <laughs> you have an actual real life building yeah. and you have to figure out how to make it into a usable space. So, um, so this, this building was across the alley from the software company's office. Yeah. And uh, it was, it had been closed down because it had fallen into such disrepair that it was no longer safe. And, uh, and it, it wasn't safe to have the public in. And so I was talking to the owner over a course of number of years and, and eventually uh, uh, purchased it. And it was a mess. It was a total mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it smelled bad. It, it was just a complete disaster. Well, it smells great in here. Thank you. Well, we, <laughs> the reason is because we tore literally everything out and we just had walls in this big empty box. And the building itself is not, I'm not, you know, no offense, baby, but you're not that special in a lot of ways, right? Like, you're talking to the room. I've lived like my, my blood, sweat, and tears have been in here, but, uh, but it's a big rectangular box. Uh, we worked with uh, Baltimore architects, Sigur Sneed, and they did this, uh, you know, they had a very limited budget for a theater because uh, theaters are expensive yeah. to build. Yeah. They are super expensive. And we, I just didn't have that much money to throw at it. And so I, they had to work in really a highly constrained situation. And so we have this completely open flex space where what we put in, we tried to put in, we tried to do it right. So we have, you know, a lot of electricity. We have a good grid. We have, you know, the equipment that we have in here is good. And then we kept it simple otherwise yeah. to let this, to let the artists who come in here can put their mark on it, can design it the way they want. And we do have the, I, I will say, I'm very proud of our facade at the front of the building is this beautiful <laughs> metal fabric on the, in a square on the front of the building. And if you drive by during the day, it's going to look cool, but it's not going to look amazing. But if you drive by at night, we light it up yeah. and it shimmers and we can change the colors. And we do all of this with our software, of course. Like this whole building is run by our software. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the integrating all the parts of my life into one space. Yeah. Um, and and it, just, it just looks gorgeous. So 
So I don't even remember if I answered your question. No, no, you did, you point. did. But it's because <laughs> so I would imagine they they kind of come together. You mentioned the the theater, and I always I always call it Kentuckus because I think it's funny. But in Kentucky, and you mentioned the theater there, and I would imagine that's where like what that's kind of that that theater that comes to mind for you, mm-hmm. and also maybe where you kind of cultivated that early like, hey, I really like yes. this area, this this feel. Then this this is yes, great. Absolutely, yeah. And, you, and you're you're a performer, which you know obviously. I'm seeing it right now as we're talking. I was like, I'm sitting here still. I am scenery. I am ambiance. You are the performer. <laughs> Where I, I wish this was black. It just you know cover the whole thing. I'm a tree or whatever. So it, it, being in that space, being a, a, a person that. Uh, you're an actor, and um, and and you're running a theater, and you develop the software company. That's an industry standard. Which parts of your performance, like art side of things, do you enjoy most, and and which parts are the most challenging? Wow, what a good question. I think, you know, any performer has areas that that they'd like to be stronger on. You know, do I wish I was a real singer? Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, you know, I can carry a tune, and I've been in a strangely high number of shows where I sang yeah. for being someone who doesn't consider himself a real singer. But I wish I was a beautiful singer. But, when, but aside from technique and specific things, I, I feel comfortable on a stage. I feel comfortable making plays happen. Uh, I, I, I feel good about how to do that, and I like... I feel comfortable being up and, and, and being alive in that moment with people. I think, I think the thing that ironically is, has been hardest for me is what I touched on earlier is now uh, trying to balance my identity as the software tech guy mm-hmm. with my identity as an artist. And, you know, I have two young children. So creating, building and running a company and having kids has been the dominant uh, place that I have needed to put my energy for the last 10 years. <laughs> yes. And so trying to find, trying to, trying to balance that out with um, now trying to find places to exercise the artistic, you know, to stretch the artistic side of me again and become, find a way back into that part of the community and, and, participate in that way is for me at this point in time probably probably the biggest challenge but you know I guess I guess there will be opportunities to do that now that I'm built a theater I mean it's funny because I you know I went into I started the company in part because I actually started focusing most on acting and on the theater side and when you go through that process you learn very quickly that there is no way to make money and there's no way to have health insurance. There are, there is, but it is very challenging. And yes. so you, t- you do things like you take workshops on how to be successful in doing commercials. And you do things like, uh, in order to practice being successful for commercials, someone will give you a hat and you, you take out two pieces of paper uh, and the exercise is sell the noun uh, in the style of the adjective, right? Yeah. And so I think I pulled out umbrellas and sexy. And I had, you know, during that <laughs> workshop, I had to try to sell umbrellas in a sexy way. And I was awful at it. And I was embarrassed and I hated it. And I was like, this is, this is humiliating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is absolutely humiliating. And this is what I'm being told I'm going to need to do if I'm going to make any money at all and have health insurance. And i freaking refuse. I'm not yeah. going to go down that path. And so my other interest was computers and it was like, 
it seems like that's an easier way to make yeah. money, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so I don't know what's going to be down at the end of this path, but I'm going to just explore that too. And yeah. I'll see if I can define my life from my terms. So that part worked out. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. now we'll try to mix them back together again. Yeah, it's riding that wave sometime. And I'll share this with you, which I don't think I've ever said on mic. Oh, um, boy. I... So I, I was going to go into sales, right? Uh-huh. So once upon a time, when I was in um, going to to college, pre under you know pre going into undergrad, I was on the fence of being either an engineer specializing in robotics okay. or um, business administration, and I went business because I felt it was more broad, and I was like, I can figure out my specialty from there, and it's a open canvas, right? So. I took a lot of marketing classes with this kind of business. I was like, I'm going to go in this direction. This feels creative and all of that. So uh, for a capstone senior project, we go to Aberdeen Ironbird Stadium and we're selling furniture from this. I forget the name of the company, but they, they, they specialize in furniture. Um, so I'm just walking to people trying to sell them on stuff. I was like, uh-huh. this is embarrassing and yeah. I'm large. So it's like, that's like, yeah, stay away from the big guy. Yeah, like, right. I feel like people are running from a bear. It was so yeah. embarrassing. And I was like, I'm a tech, I'm a tech guy. I'm a background guy. Uh-huh. So we, we did a, our senior project. We had that as part of it. So when we did our senior project, um, I seamlessly integrated all of these different elements into like this PowerPoint. So we, we had like a plugin. This is like 2007. So we had okay. this plugin to their website and they have like a virtual assistant that pops up and starts talking. So I do my thing. And I was like, and to you, Beth Ann. And she starts talking and it's all seamless. It's like, I did all of this uh-huh. where I sucked in, in person to person in these kind of like selling to people. Mm. I was like, they're here to drink beer and mm-hmm. watch the Iron Birds, not talk to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just like sales is not for me. Mm-hmm. The strategic side of things, that's where I'm strong in. Mm-hmm. And that that was very informant, you mm-hmm. know, informing at the time. And kind of going to now, like being in podcasting as long as I've been in it, and it's like, all right, really, what is my lane? Mm-hmm. And 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 kind of what you, you touched on, defining it for myself. Mm-hmm. People tell mm-hmm. you all the time, like, mm-hmm. oh, your podcast should be twenty minutes. No. Yeah. And it's like I see successful major podcasts that do three hour ones a day. Right. Joe right. Rogan's is a three-hour podcast right. daily. Mm-hmm. I was like, so where's, where's this 20-minute business? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd rather have conversations with people. This podcast is the crux of it. Conversations with people, get to know them, understand what they do, and maybe bring some attention to it. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing it your way. Yeah, right. absolutely. So if I want to throw a you know, dick jerk or fart joke in there, let's do it. You know, let's make it happen. <laughs> um, so you're in, that, you're in that unique position to be able to have those those two passions and you know obviously probably three because you know your your dad as well so that's another one that's there and that may come that may somehow work like yeah you're you're now in the theater kid <laughs> you're in the theater business kid let's get it um computer science and, and theater have come together and in, in what ways are those passions complementary and, and how aren't they i don't think that they are inherently complementary in the sense that I feel like maybe you're asking, but sure. but I think that's what makes them special to okay. put together. So I think uh, I think what made any of this possible or interesting was that I was a person who had a deep background in both, yeah. and so I understood the problems in the room. I. It, it is, it is one of, it's something I think is really interesting. If, if you, okay, so 
the other part of my nerdery, of course, <laughs> is entrepreneurism and software. And there's a whole big culture of pe- of a lot of, unfortunately, and until recently, there's just a lot of dudes, but um, there's, there's this culture of like all these dudes who are like trying to make companies and build software companies and, and get annual recurring revenue and all this yeah. stuff. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, but a lot of them had the same background. Yeah. And it was mostly a background in software. So there's, you, you'd get all of these tools for people who make software sure. because that's what they understood. And so if you get a weirdo like me who has a background in something totally different, yeah. uh, I had a different set of problems that I understood. And it was not a set of problems that any other nerd who could write code <laughs> understood because they had, I mean, that, that's not totally true. There's plenty of nerds who love theater and who've been in theater, but it's <laughs> relatively less. Yeah. And so taking uh, my background as, a, as an intense nerd in a field that did not necessarily have a lot of overlap with computer science or, or programming specifically was what made it possible for something special and unusual to happen. I, I, I had a friend who he was a database administrator and he was just like, yeah, start thinking of things as systems. And mm-hmm. he literally, the way that you described, he broke it down in that fashion. And I was like, and it's changed my thinking ever since. Mm-hmm. It's made me mm-hmm. better at being a data analyst mm-hmm. and better at in a systematic and strategic way of doing this. Mm-hmm. My thing is, I look at it as I'm the talent, everything else, or I'm the talent in the sense of I'm the person that's going to do this thing. I'm the person that knows these different things and I know what I need. How can I delegate? That, that's kind of yeah, where I'm at. Right, right. Yeah, because I've had to do a lot of it on my own. Yeah. Right. Be, yeah. Be the thing that makes you special 110%. Yeah. And yeah. Fi- and finding out what that is and who you are is, is part of the challenge there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So then I think that kind of touches a little bit on what I was um, going to ask next. Um, and I had a few more questions before we wrap yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. Maybe specifically in entrepreneurship, let's 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 kind of hit that. How how has your approach changed to doing your business? How's that changed over time? It has gotten more <laughs> humble. I'm gonna say, oh, <laughs> uh, because the longer you do it, the more you realize you don't know what you're doing. Uh, I mean, you know, there's certain things that I'm I'm more confident about now, but I think early on, I would have ideas like, I didn't know what mistakes I was going to make. And mm-hmm. so I couldn't see them coming. And I could have a little overconfidence about not making those mistakes until I did yeah. and got hit by it. And so th- the longer I go and the more mistakes that I end up making, I just get more cautious about being overconfident about my my own expertise or my own ability to know the, the you know the whole idea of having one right answer mm-hmm. right is silly and yeah. so early in the process of building a company i think i had this instinct that i could i could build the best version of a company like, yeah. or at least wanted to try like i at least wanted to see how see if i could make it the most fair have the best version for what it could be and that isn't a thing. There are right. lots of different versions of a good company, mm-hmm. and there are lots of different versions of, of any human endeavor, and, they, and there can be lots of good ones. Now, does that mean every version's good? Of course <laughs> no, not. No, no, absolutely of course not. not. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think having a little humility about uh, 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 trying not to be overconfident, 
um, is is a big thing. I don't think I was ever like super braggadocious and overconfident, I, yeah. but you know, <laughs> I don't think I don't think that was ever my big my big weakness. But I do think, even as cautious as I tried to be about that, I, I think it, you know you just make mistakes and 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 then you get older and, and then you get a little more cautious about about trying not to make those mistakes. So um, I think that's a big one. I think that's a big one that's changed over time. That 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 makes sense. I think when you're doing something for a certain amount of time, you kind of like, oh, okay, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, or it's just like, oh, everything is good. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I when, you, when you said um, there's so many like different ways of, of doing something, I immediately thought of Loki. It's like, you should see my variants. <laughs> you know, it's kind of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, because this is a Baltimore-centric podcast, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm using that hashtag proudly Baltimore. What does Baltimore represent to you? Baltimore is a city that is big enough that it is full of interesting things happening all the time and small enough that you get to know the people doing them Mm. and you keep encountering those people and you can become friends with those people. And I just, I just love, you know, I grew up in Louisville, which is a smaller city and I love it and I miss it, but it, it didn't quite. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to clown on, on other cities. I'm going to focus on Baltimore, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like Baltimore to me is a real sweet spot between a giant city where there's obviously a ton happening, but maybe a little overwhelming. And you just like, it's, there's, you, you can run into someone and never see them again in your life. Yeah. Uh, and a city where there's maybe less happening. Uh, you know, we, we have so much cool stuff happening. We have that critical mass where there's, where there's cool stuff going down, but you're going to keep being in the room with the same people. You're going to keep interacting with the same people and you can build on that together. Like, I think that's really special to have that size of enough to be interesting, but not so much that you just get lost in this sea of too much going on. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's, that's the thing. And I've, and I've heard that, uh, like, I, you know, obviously I go back through and listen to these episodes. I have no life. And I I look for kind of who I get that version of that response from. It's like, yeah, like I've heard some people say it's it's a mix of it's a big enough city where you get mm. these things, but then it's accessible. Mm-hmm. And you mm. will be around people. You can be in the scene without it, it just access. It always speaks to like access. That's the yeah. thing that I'm always hearing. And uh, um, it, it's it's definitely to me, it's like an East coast city with some elements of a Southern city and some elements of maybe a Midwest city, not, not as far as West city and Western, Western city. And we're, 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 we're East coast. We're very East coast. We're hmm. very East coast. <laughs> like we're not breezy. Like, Hey, let's go to the beach guys. That's no. not our energy. No, no, no. Now it's like, eh, no, eh. <laughs> you're still alive. You're still around. <laughs> right. All right. Um, so this is the last question I have. What's scarier for getting a line of dialogue or forgetting the line of code. That's specifically crafted for you, sir. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Wow, what a good question. Because it is scary to be on stage and forget a line. I, I've done it any number of times, and your heart just jumps. And if, especially when you're early, as an early artist, you freeze. And as a later artist, you learn to relax into it and just trust you're going to get to the other side. It is terrifying. But I'm going to actually have to say the line of code. Yeah. And here's, <laughs> here's why. Here's why. 
in the moment, forgetting a line of dialogue while you're on stage is is awful. And in the if you're looking at a line of code, I don't even know how many lines of code are in our product QLab at this point. It is very many, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And uh, in the moment, yeah, it'd be more scary to be on stage and forget a line. But here's why I'm going to say a line of code. Because if I'm looking at a line of code and I don't remember why it is the way it is. No comments. <laughs> there's no comments. And it is part of a fairly large complex system within the program. I'm responsible ultimately for a product that's going out the door. Yes. The next update is going to have people in over a hundred countries. Every Broadway show is going to be installing that update. If I mess that up because I didn't remember why a certain line of code was the way it was and I don't have a test to cover it and I don't have some, some way to make sure it's working correctly. That is terrifying. (laughs) That is terrifying. I am very grateful and knocking on wood here to say that we have not generally been in a situation where we have messed up so bad that we took down shows, right? I mean, because that's, that's the ultimate possibility Mm -hmm. is you have a, you have a room of 700 people and they tell them all to go home because we messed up. And that could happen across the world. Yeah. <laughs> world yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that is absolute. So so when you know, if if it's a if it's a line of code that I feel really nervous about, it's actually a good thing to feel nervous about it because then you're being way more careful about what you're putting out the door. Mm-hmm. If it's something that here's here's where it actually gets you is when you look at a line you think you remember why it's there, but you didn't and you change it and you have no idea that it changed something. So that's, that's actually the case you're trying to like being scared of not remembering a lot of code is actually a good situation because then you're going to be extra careful and go, wait a second, what are the possible consequences of this? Because if you think if you, (laughs) there's so many bugs come in where you think like, oh, this is trivial. It does nothing. I'm just going to like shift it up one line and then turns out, (laughs) <laughs> it's like huh. that wasn't that wasn't right like i just sent off an execute yeah. <laughs> what's this this command i just sent and honestly this was this was a lot worse when it was just me because i would have when when i was the only person at the company i was writing the code i was writing the website i was uh d- doing all of the support and so i remember i mean i, I remember being over in my apartment like outside of my apartment getting out of the car, seeing my email about someone who was 20 minutes to curtain and I had just put out an update Mm. that had messed something up and literally just ran like my partner. (laughs) I was like, I got to go. I ran to the apartment. I ran up the stairs. I ran to my computer. I got on the computer and I sent them, I fixed it and sent them a new version of the program before the curtain. Yeah. And save the show, and that is pressure I do not want. Yeah, yeah, typing feverishly. <laughs> it was, it was awful, and uh, and so now that we're a company with more people, and we have a team of experts to help, and we have a team of developers to like check each other's work. Yeah, we're not put in that position uh, these days because we because we just have more people all checking each other's work, and there to and there to back each other up with support mm-hmm. uh, when when inevitably you know things go wrong. It's yeah. just it, that's the life. But it is I sleep a lot better these days. <laughs> when when things to. break, you you fix them. And one of the things that I I've gotten because uh, 
you know, I've started as a manager in the last year or so and kind of bringing people up and using basically we have limited resources of manpower or woman power. Mm, mm. So I'm like, can we use computers to do mm. this? And that's literally my direction. I was like, let's be smarter, not harder about it. Yeah. And then trying to get that philosophy over to people. And it's just like, you're my Q, you're, you're like my QA. Like, like, like mm-hmm. if I'm putting this out there for this report or something, or we're doing a, a, an update for our like student information system. And you can imagine how that goes. Yeah. It's like, I need you to check this and then we'll send it off to the developers before it's like finalized. Yeah. And All we're right. going to test it in multiple environments. Yes. So you got to get your, your skills up, please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's all I have. I, um, but shameless plug time. Shameless plug, please, please, please. Website, uh, uh, location, all of that stuff. Okay. Uh, the, the Vox of Theater's website is voxel.org. Uh, my company, well, my product's website is qlab.app. That's Q-L-A-B.app. And uh, you, can bo- you can check out both things there. Uh, that's, I guess that's all. I got. Oh, you know, we, we, you know, here's the thing. We hope we're going to be opening back up with something in September. So we've been, this theater has been closed basically since we opened. We, we put one show up. I got to be in that show actually. Nice. And then we immediately closed for a year and a half. We're finally looking at, um, this September having something. Now, am I a little nervous about it right now with the Delta surging at the time that we're recording this? Yes, I am, sir. Uh, we only do it if it's safe and we're doing lots of planning to try to make sure we could come up with something that's safe and we will not you know, we will not have the public in here if we don't feel we can provide a safe environment. But uh, God willing and the Rona don't rise, uh, <laughs> we will have our first show in here in September. It's uh, I'm not uh, yeah. they haven't announced who it is yet. So I'm waiting to be public about it until until they start being public about it. But I think it's going to be a fun show. So I'll plug that. Hopefully we can come back to life. You know, everybody cross your fingers. I know we're all so, I know we're all so ready for this to be done. We are so ready. (laughs) And here's what I'll plug. Here's what I'll end on with a plug. I will say, please consider if you haven't already. And if you have concerns about that vaccine, boy, do I understand. I understand wanting to be careful about what we put in our bodies Mm -hmm. and uh, respecting everybody's need to be comfortable with their own choices. And I would just ask, please consider. Yes. (laughs) Please consider taking that vaccine because that is our biggest best tool to bring our entire city back to the way it needs to be so that we can be living our lives again you know i mean that's the one that's the best tool we have other tools they're great but the vaccine is the one that's going to get us out of this so please consider please i'm begging you i'm begging (laughs) you he's on his knees here folks (laughs) (laughs) so um thank you chris thank you this has been a lot of fun so um for uh, Chris at Chris Ashworth from Voxel from yeah. Figure Fifty Three, I am Rob Lee, and it is art in and around Baltimore. You just gotta look for it.